You know, watching these films made me wish for a little bit of peace and quiet. Fine, I'll be off. (laughs) I'll see you so. By right, you should be doing this topic by yourself. (laughs) That would be fun. Okay, well, what are you going to pick this week? Well, fuck off. We're going to discuss. Well, listen. Talk to you, you stupid cunt. Or looking cunt. Ignorant fuck. Little <laughs> mini cunt. Jesus Christ, lads. Relax, it's only a podcast. Ah! The best bit. I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. <laughs> You are stupid, you have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Don't call me stupid. Hello, Hello. and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie (laughs) podcast where we pick our favorite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is Will, your co-host, writer of three films plus a Christmas special and a Star Wars. And I am joined once again by my co-host and writer of one and a bit films and three and a bit episodes at TV, a Kevin. How are you, Kevin Lehan? What's the crack? The crack is mighty. I'm looking forward to this topic, Will. I have been watching so many films and I feel fired up to get going. And yeah, I think it's kind of apt, you know, best two-hander scene and the two of us. (laughs) So I'm ready when you are. I think you might have to tee up your record scratch as sound effect there because we're doing best solo or single character scene, Kevin. Unfortunately. Well, I'll let you take the reins there, so Because um, <laughs> I've just finished watching Star Crazy and I thought that's going to be, you know, my pick. Your best pick. <laughs> best two-handers. <laughs> okay, well, look, explain it to me. What... First of all, what's this episode called? Because it was originally best solo scene, and then you said no one, no one's going to know what that means. Yeah. So then we did a bit of googling. Googles. And what have we settled on? We've settled on best single character scene. No, we haven't. Well, what is it? <laughs> what have we settled on? We've settled on best one character film scene. We've settled on best. <laughs> so, so fucking stupid. There's an extra word in there. Best one character film scene. <laughs> yeah, do you so know wrong. why? Because when I googled it, one came up with like 370,000 hits and the other one came up with like 17,000. So it's like, let's go with what Google tells us because, you know, search engine optimization and all that, that's exactly what every podcast, growing podcast needs. So but, uh, this is yeah. best one character movie scene film isn't that that's that's what we're doing it will it's whatever you want it to be it's your episode <laughs> it's whatever but, the algorithm says it should be is what it's going to be but i think we need to clarify because there are many many scenes in films where it's just a single character up against the elements or whatever yes but we're focusing on uh, films that are built around a single character and it's a scene within that so i feel yeah, best one character film scene. Yeah. Not a film scene. Well, film, it would, well, it would suit me because I grew up saying films. Uh, that's what I would call them. But and I grew I up think... saying <laughs> motion pictures. <laughs> I, 
Oh, what's his name? Oh, I grew up saying, I love that picture. I love when I listen to old school Hollywood people. Well, we did used to go to the pictures. It wasn't going to the cinema, it was going to the pictures. Oh, we, I never went to the pictures. And we weren't all like 1940s dandies. It was genuinely like, are you going to the pictures? Yeah. What are you going to see? Sliver. I remember, <laughs> as you did when you were 12. <laughs> I remember going to see striptease and like being really nervous. As you do when you're fucking 12. <laughs> I was really nervous where Michael Reardon would let us in the box office. Is that the one where she struts down the catwalk or whatever it is and she rips off her top and she's got two fierce weapons pointing? My God, is that anatomically correct? Well, I'll tell you this thing. It was for all the allure of the poster. I remember it being it didn't live up to the expectations. I'll put it that way. You know, was Burt Reynolds in that? No, maybe. <laughs> I can't remember. Was he a pimp or something? She's a stripper, isn't it? She's, a... she's I, yeah. It's around her being a stripper. Yeah, that would be that would be correct. Yeah, but I don't remember. I genuinely don't remember the Demi it. Moore film. We're obviously talking about the one. Yeah. She's a stripper, and then she goes into the Marines. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Shaves her head. She shaved her head. Went to the Marines, and at the end of it, Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. That's what happens. It's, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. That's that film. You've got it. You've got it. That's the movie. Um, Ditto. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're talking about best single character scenes, right? And you're right, Kevin. Do you think these... our podcast is stupid? Do I think our podcast is stupid? Or do you know it's stupid? I know it's stupid. It's, <laughs> it's, I think it's, Fuck. it's the definition of stupidity. Fuck. It really is. It, there's, with childish childish senses of humor is that because you disrespect the medium or you disrespect the audience i disrespect myself <laughs> that's what it is for christ's sake pull your pants up <laughs> we're gonna be here all night we will listen you're right we're focusing on films not where we have scenes with characters who are just on their own for one particular scene but there's loads of other characters for the rest of the film no well for for me anyway thinking about this topic I focused on scenes where the character is mainly on their own for most of the film. They might not be on their own totally 100% of the time, but for most of it, for most of the second act anyway, and most of, you know, they're on their own. So that's how I kind of put up the old guardrails when I was trying to select my films for this topic. So do you think a film like Home Alone would count? Oh, that's a good one. It doesn't feel at all feel like a single character scene at all. Because we cut away, we're following the family, th- the, the family thread of them. There's so yeah. many other characters and yeah, story it's, threads. It's to- it does yeah. not at all feel like that. And he's interacting with the, it's, it becomes him versus the thieves. You know, there is a, it, he, they ha- he has an, a pair of nemesis, you know. And, you know, no, I don't feel that it is. Mm. I do not feel that it is. Because there's a few of these films that are on lists and I look at them and think, I'm not sure that that film counts as a single character or a one character film where the guts of the story is, is on one actor giving a tour de force performance and a director who only has that Mm. actor to play off of. So there's no interplay with, there's no scene partners. It's sort of all internalized. And how can they draw that out of the actor to create conflict and Mm -hmm. drama from a one man stage play? Even if it's not a single location setting, like Jewel, you know, where he's in the car and he's he's bombing it down the road and stuff. And yeah. He's got to get that Jewel. 
And um, <laughs> he's got to get the jewel. Got to keep going. Yeah. The jewel's just just down the road. But you know what I mean. It feels like I do. It feels like there are certain films where there's a lot of other forces giving the main character something that bounces off of. Yeah. Even if they might be on their own for like 20 minutes of the film, like the killer, Certainly. David Fincher film, that came up, and I was like, yeah. I'm not sure that counts as a one character film. No, it does not feel like that for me because he's interacting with other characters all the time, even though he lives a fairly solitary life. But for the main purpose of the drive of the drama, he has to interact with other characters yeah, a lot. And in the case of Jewel, he literally has this huge, thundering, hellish truck, semi-truck bearing down him the entire time. So it feels like it's a he's got a nemesis in, in this. Um, whereas... Yeah, that's, that's a chase film. It's a chase, yeah. So the, the one thing I did think, so after watching a bunch of films for this, these films are inherently very, very dramatic. They're cracking films when you have characters put into scenarios where they're in isolation. A lot of them are survival movies. Yes. A lot of them. Not all of them. Man Against the Arms. Uh, man versus Nature. Ma- yeah. And you know what else? There's a lot of them are. What? It's a lot of men protagonists. A lot of men. Yeah. yeah. Far more male protagonists in these types of stories than female protagonists. Proper order. And I think it probably speaks to... Just casually just <laughs> dancing by Kevin's sexism right there. Just, 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 I'm just glance. That's what I do with Kevin. Drops clangers like that. If I don't react... He can't use I just it. <laughs> glance by. This is just glide. But I think it actually appeals. I think men fantasize. Not all men. About doomsday. Hold on. No, I didn't finish. I didn't finish what I was saying. I think men <laughs> fantasize about doomsday scenarios. And what do I do if I was stuck in a desert island scenarios? I think it's a wish. And I wouldn't say it's a weird, weird expression, but a wish fulfillment fantasy of men, you know, not wish fulfillment, but you know what I mean? Kind of like men kind of think about what would I do in a doomsday scenario quite a lot. Can I ask you a question based off of that then, that line of thought? Would you prefer to be washed up on a desert island by yourself all alone? Okay. Or washed up on a desert island with someone you can't fucking stand. Ignorant fuck. Oh, God. But at least you could kill them and eat them. Well, that's true. Um, <laughs> someone you can't fucking stand. Like, say God. me and you washed up. Or would you oh, I, I just <laughs> throw myself off a cliff. I'd help you out. <laughs> I'd do that for oh, you. Oh, God. <laughs> But do you have fantasies about sort of peace and quite retreating from, from the world and sort of like having a, a reprieve from the hustle and bustle of Donegal? Hustle and bustle, the metropolis, the metropolis <laughs> uh, that is Donegal yeah. town. I would say I fantasize about that more down to the fact that I have the hustle and bustle of having three young kids and all the things that go along with that. The stillness and the quiet. Like I, I remember spending a week on a writer's retreat out like, you know, out in West Galway, you know, in a, in a hotel that had very little electricity. Out in West Galway, the, the, the whole point of the hotel was that it, it was fairly fucking cut off, right? It was out in West Galway. And it was a really eccentric, faulty towers-esque hotel. I have multiple stories to tell you. But the the point being, like they, the, 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 the pub, sorry, yeah, the bar area was lit by candlelight at night, every night. Like there was no, oh, hang on. there was no you lights on. Told me this before. This was before you did that big pitch. For, this is before your first film was made. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long before that, I was in college. Yeah, so I'd gotten yeah. like so a, whatever, a, a scholarship to go and to go and take part in this for a week. But I will tell you this: so I, I fucking, yeah, you know, everything kind of your, your body gets used to a different clock. You, you never looked at your clock for the entire week, and you just kind of went into a room with other writers and kind of just fucking riffed for the day, and went for a meal and got up in the morning. And but by the end of the week, right, I my body, my uh, internal clock had just chill the fuck out and I got on a bus to return to Galway because I was living in Galway City at the time and I remember on the bus journey going back in seeing people walking on the streets and thinking and really getting kind of anxious looking at them rushing rushing they were just walking at a fast pace and I could feel the tempo of the world around pushing the faster and faster and faster yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah just shuffling around air square but my point is, is there was something really fucking calming about just going into a really slow rhythm of life which i think you probably would get from being out in a desert island or in a forest or something like that something similar but different to what you're saying is i went backpacking and a period of that trip i was traveling solo i was by myself and I was okay. in singapore by myself and i was in hong kong by myself and obviously there's loads of people around, but you can feel incredibly lonely when you're surrounded by loads of people you don't know. If you ever walk into a party, you don't know anybody there. You can feel very mm-hmm. lonely despite being around people. But I felt by being in Hong Kong, not knowing anyone there, I felt um, at ease. I felt really like free. There was such a freedom to it where it didn't. nobody had any... Uh, um, idea who I was nobody cared about me and I just felt sort of like what you're saying just chilled the fuck out by the experience and so yeah I felt I wanted to cling on to that sense of like ease about myself where I did not care what anyone thought about me I could I was just inhabiting the spaces that I was in exploring then came back to Cork and Mm. it was like my god this place is just fucking go 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 I remember I might I might have even said it to you is everybody hyper or is that just Cork? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone's hyper, but also Cork is probably Cork as well. Cork's kind of hyper as well. You couldn't like so. go in and buy, buy some bread in the shop without it feeling like you were trying to disarm a bomb because everyone was like, go, go, go. <laughs> and, oh, that's what it feels like. Yeah. But I've never had fantasies about being isolated. I, I actually would have the opposite. That would be my idea of a nightmare to be completely isolated. Oh, I'd like it for a spell. It'd be lovely for you know a week. It'd be lovely. I wouldn't but last. Hey, let me. I wouldn't last two days on a desert island. I'd be the one that would be out swimming with sharks. Take me. <laughs> Can I take you by the hand now, Kevin? As I want to kind of take you through a couple, my my thought process when I was watching these films, because I was like going, God, there's a lot of commonality that comes up in a lot of these films, and I kind of wanted to share it with you. And I saw a couple of films that I really enjoyed. I actually really enjoyed this topic. And generally, the films are actually very, very good because they're inherently dramatic, really, really dramatic. But in these films, generally, if we're talking about films where people are stranded and all that sort of stuff, generally what happens at the beginning is there's some scene where the shit hits the fan and they are thrown from their normal life out into into the chaos, into the wilderness on their own, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so there's all sorts of different, you know, every film, not everyone, but a lot of them have examples. But there was one that stood out to me as one that I saw in the cinema and really enjoyed in the cinema, but kind of forgot after I'd seen it in the cinema, right? 
but I rewatched it for the purposes of this podcast. And I was I feel they're gonna say my pick. Uh, well, you could tell me if I'm gonna say your pick, because I'm gonna say it now. Gravity. The open the opening fifteen minutes of gravity. Houston, <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this mission. Please elaborate. That's the same feeling I had about Mardi Gras 1987. Most of it is a single shot. And we're up there, uh, or, uh, you know, in space, orbiting with uh, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Everything's very fucking chill. They're going about their job. George Clooney is keeping everything cool and chill, telling his anecdotes. And he's this guy's been up in space all his life. And they get this little message over the radio saying, OK, guys, uh, listen, just letting you know, a satellite's been blown up by the Russians. And they went, nothing to worry about it. Nothing to worry about, it's fine. And in the space of a few minutes, all hell breaks loose. Silently. And they're saying, no, oh, my God, that scene where they are bombarded by debris. Oh, also, that music, amazing music by Stephen Prentice, where it's just, and then it's coming around again. It's like it's coming back. Yeah. Just, yeah, brilliant. Expect the communication blackout at any moment. Copy that, Houston. Oh, fucking brilliant stuff. And a very version of one of these stories with a female lead. Yes. that I read up the casting that they went around the houses trying to get someone to star in this film. Nicole they Kidman Angelina was Jolie. part of it at one stage. Every Natalie Portman. One. Absolutely. As Angelina Jolie was the first person who was attached and just could Like, Sandra Bullock was way down the list. Way, way down the list. And uh, But she, she's, a, she's a great lead in this. This was one of those few films that I saw in 3D and I kind of loved it in 3D. You enjoyed it? Because you have trouble with 3D. I have a lot of trouble with 3D. The only reason I really enjoyed it was because I don't think 3D, I think uh, seeing depth in space was really fucking cool. Oh, there's not so much background information to sort of overstimulate your corneas or whatever. seeing her in especially in those first 15 minutes was seeing her drift sp- spinning uncontrollably tumbling out into space i felt the depth of her disappearing and getting smaller not just getting smaller but just going away from me it fucking worked and i just thought this opening this just put us right into the drama of everything it was so spectacular it really really was an impressive sequence a single shot as well one of those films that you know it gets said over and over again when certain films come along you have to see it on a big screen but that film was mesmerizing on a big screen it it just yeah. felt like a spectacle yeah yeah there aren't that many where you feel like oh i've got to watch anatomy of a fall on a big screen it's amazing but gravity was incredible. What's what's also really, really interesting about these films is once the shit hits the fan, right? You as an audience member are kind of thrown into their shoes because you're like, because you see someone is in a position where they have to survive and you think, how the fuck am I going to, how am I going to survive? Uh, I.e., how is that character going to survive? You walk in their shoes, really, really embody them. 
you've 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 kind of identified something that is really pleasurable about these films because you're watching somebody else's process of elimination about trying to problem solve and also yeah. maybe use survival skills that you weren't aware of so you're seeing somebody maybe yeah. start the fire or um try and create some sort of shelter or something and that is fascinating to watch it's one thing that i yeah. lament about an awful lot of modern movies is we've moved away from there being quiet moments with characters where you get to see them think and when it's one mm -hmm. character in a film you're seeing them think through almost everything because you can't cut away there's not much else that you can sort of focus on so you're watching somebody process and plan and put into action different ways of solving the problem that they're stuck in and it's it's yeah so gripping there's a couple of films that I that really stood out to me in this one. Also, it's interesting. I kind of thought about it. Kind of, this emerged when I was thinking about it. There are some scenarios where you have people who are thrown into these situations who are not equipped for these situations, and they really flounder and they really struggle. Give me some examples. Like, for instance, Ryan Reynolds and Buried. Thanks for calling the Conroy. Please go back to get to the beach. Paul Conroy has a lighter, a cell phone, ninety minutes of oxygen. I need one million dollars, bro. We left to die in his coffin. You know he's really fucking panicking, and he's he's really struggling in that situation. I anticipated that film being unbearable to watch. Like it just seemed like one, it's not going to work. You're spending the entire film inside a coffin with somebody who's buried alive. How are you going to make that into a, a, a an actual cinematic? event like how is it going to come across where you feel like you don't want to switch off after 10 minutes because it's so boring and monotonous but they managed to mm -hmm. make that whole film gripping like the way that they moved the camera and found interesting angles and found ways to show him struggling and dealing with it's just being stuck supine yeah. in a coffin and the other thing was i thought it would be so claustrophobic that i wouldn't be able to watch it but that film was incredible what they managed to pull mm -hmm. off like it's really yeah. truly with these kind of films it it reveals how strong the actor is and also how deft and dynamic the director is yeah you can't hide and that's one of those examples where i, I yeah you're absolutely right where I, I i didn't feel i didn't feel claustrophobic with him i was like really sucked into what the fuck was going on and he's one of those guys who starts off who doesn't have the skill set. So he's panicking. And as you really feel that panic and that urgency. Whereas in Free Guy, I was just like, my skin was crawling. I just, I, I was so, <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of the cinema. It was just killing me. Hold on. Is that a lightsaber? Yes. That's a lightsaber, dude. But then when you have characters who actually are in the scenario almost by choice, it's really satisfying being in their shoes so what i mean by is this is like um uh, all is lost you know the robert redford movie did you ever see that one i have not seen that this is virginia jean with an sos call over this is the virginia jean with an sos call over it's it, there's very 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 little dialogue Robert Redford's on a, a sailing boat and he's going across, I think, the Pacific all on his own. 
there's no first act of him on Dryland. It's all him silently out at sea. He doesn't have a dialogue with anyone. Who directed that again? Because didn't that director, he went on to do a lot more after it. Yeah, it was the guy who made Margin Call. It was J.C. Chando. That's right. We have Robert Redford's character, who is out at sea by choice. He's on this quest. And one night, he's woken by this terrible crashing noise. And water is flooding into the compartment. He climbs outside and he sees a shipping container full of baby's shoes has just crashed into the side of his hull and punctured his hull. And we, we just see him work the problem and figure out, okay, I need to patch up the hull. I need to, I, I need, and he's, we see him just pacing up and we see him solve problem after problem after problem. It's really satisfying. It's a great film. He was probably late 70s when he shot it as well. He looks fucking nimble and fit and able to do this shit. If you haven't seen All Is Lost, it's a it's a good ride. It really is. You recommended it to me before, but I didn't manage to get around to it. So I'm definitely going to do it this time. I was just watching it's all these one. like, you know, double act movies this week and forgot. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> fucking Kevin. <laughs> Can I tell you that when I Go was on. trying to, because I thought there aren't that many one character films. There might be, there might be 20 films that people would offer up. Mm-hmm. So I asked ChatGPT to oh, recommend. Nice. A film. Best writer on the block, I hear. Right. Yeah, it is. A producer's friend. <laughs> I know him well. I asked it to tell me some titles of one character films that predate the early 2000s. And of course, as chat GPT tends to do, it started talking fucking nonsense. And I had to keep correcting it and correcting it. But it did eventually get to a point where it recommended one to me that I'd not heard of. And I looked it up and it was online. And it is a film called Secret Honor. It was directed by Robert Altman and it stars Philip Baker Hall as Richard Nixon. The Reds, the Reds, the Reds, the Reds. Atheistic godless spying Reds. Hiding under democratic beds. Oh, the Reds, 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 the Reds. That's what the country believed then, and I believed it too. As a matter of fact, my platform was, I believe in America, and I believe in real estate, and the Reds, the Reds, the Reds. It was shot by student filmmakers in 1984, as I said. It, it, it's like the definition of a chamber piece. It's all within this study, as Richard Nixon is dictating his thoughts into a tape recorder and with cameras as he's about to go to trial, and he is talking to himself and, and going through his thought process and, and what he meant by this and what he what he thinks people should know about such and such. And it is remarkable to just see what's essentially not just a single character film, but a single location film and a single scene film. There are very few cuts in the whole thing. And as I said earlier, these kind of films, they expose the, the ability of the actor and they sort of force the director to show us what they can do with a camera to keep it dramatic and interesting and that film really tells you that both of those people are fantastic at what they do so yeah this is why i love doing this podcast because of me this is because of chat gpt <laughs> this is the reason i love doing the podcast <laughs> we have found the ultimate helpful researcher watch what you say easy oh, right i've never even heard i'm going to re- reiterate the name it's uh, repeat the name secret honor secret honor 
directed by Robert Altman, came out in 1984, and you found it on, did you say YouTube? It's on YouTube. I mean, it's one of those Janus film releases, and it's probably on the Criterion okay. channel as well. But it's on YouTube, so oh, if any of you guys are on Irish YouTube, you can watch it uh, right now, or use a VPN and watch it. But it's it's there. Vipin it. And it. Yeah, Vipin it. And yeah, I think it really reveals both the abilities of Robert Allman and Philip Baker Hall's incredible talent. Oh my God. That's amazing. They told me that the China plan would be my Excalibur. A plan for peace is what they told me. A plan for good, for greatness. My Camelot. I want to mention two other films and actually one film that was in particular, which was my favorite. How the fuck am I going to survive this film? And a film that I had an absolute blast with in the cinema. I... It wasn't the first one. <laughs> the first one was Locke. Oh! What happened? I'll fix it. It'll all go back to normal. I'm not going to turn back. I have made my decision. Locke is one of those films which isn't as good as Berry's because I don't think it's directed well enough. It could easily have been a stage play. Yeah. It could easily have been a radio drama. Locke doesn't do much I, with the camera. It just sort of sits there. No. And it's got a, a, a sort of an ochre, hazy, you know, tungsten lighting effect. And he's got this mellifluous yeah. Welsh lilting voice as his whole world is collapsing. The way he's so calm. He's so yeah. calm. When he's delivering oh my the worst God. news in the world. And it's like, it's very, it's very soft on the ears, actually. It's I can't do a Welsh accent, ears. but it's something but like, get the sheep out of the concrete. <laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. the concrete, just get the sheep. We're going to get the cement <laughs> and the cement is going to be poured all over the, the difference side, between concrete and, and cement. it will go well. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that film and I was thinking of our podcast friend. Jonas Govertz. Our special guest on Best Car Scene. Yeah. And a contributor to the Horror October on Patreon. And what, what well, Jonas achieved with where he was able to place the camera in that film. It was coming to mind. I went, Hazard. oh my God, if only I had a Jonas here to actually kind of like direct us a bit better. But it was still, I was still really drawn into the drama because it's all set in his car. His life is coming to pieces and it's all in real time. And yeah, it was pretty good. That's not the film I wanted to mention. What I, why I brought that up is because he's working the problems, multiple problems via his mobile phone. And it's, it's fucking great drama. If it was a radio play, I, I think I would have enjoyed it as much. It's good. It's very, very good. But the film I wanted to bring up as a great example of, of satisfaction in watching solving, someone solving the problem in a really extreme environment was The Martian. Because I fucking had a blast with the Martian. Great book, great film. It's so entertaining. It's so, so entertaining. During the mission on Mars, our satellites detected a storm and we had to abort the mission. But astronaut Mark Watney was killed. This has been a shock the entire world. But I'm still alive. I gotta figure out how to grow food on a planet where nothing grows. But if I can't contact NASA, none of this matters anyway. <laughs> Mark Watney still alive. The Martian. But that's one of the films where I was quizzing you about, like, if the killer isn't a one-character film, The Martian certainly isn't. Yeah. Because there's there's a huge ensemble in that who are going to rescue him 
he's the one that shitting in fields and making potatoes. But you've got Kristen Week and all the guys at the at NASA headquarters. And- yeah, Jessica Chastain. You're right. You're right. Listen, you are right. Thank you. I'm sliding this one in there because it is primarily Matt Damon versus Mars, which is trying to kill him. But I'm putting it in there because I love how he survives. And he survives by solving, by focusing on the next problem and focusing on the next problem after that and the next problem after that. And that's kind of one of the big lessons I took away from this. I was I was looking at it kind of going, that's how you get through life. Shit. Is you just solve the next fucking shit. You use your shit. You've got shit. It can be useful shit. And just And use it to help solve your problems. What's that line from Twin Peaks to return? Shovel your way out of the shit. Another type of scene that came up in a lot of these films was scenes of self-surgery. Oh, which usually is quite harrowing. Oh, well, I can tell you now straight up. There's one that's on the list and I've point blank refused to watch it at the time. And as much as I love our podcast, I'm not putting myself yeah. through watching that film because as I've told you off mic and maybe on a mini bits, I had to bleed myself in order to do an allergy test. And of course, as I have such a sensitive nervous system and a very strong vasovagal response, I fainted twice. And that is like 14 and a half dead stone weight face first into a fucking bookshelf, dragging all down on top of me. And I know for a fact that if I was to put myself through that particular film, I would be vomiting all over the place and fainting. So sorry. I wonder, are you going to mention the film that I am going to bring up? Gravity. (laughs) No, Is it's it 127, 127 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My name's Aaron Ralston. <laughs> My arm is stuck. I will never watch that film again because of that scene. I'll never watch this again. I'm sure everyone knows that 127 hours is based on the true story of the survival drama of this guy played by James Franco. <laughs> Do not give up. Who likes to go out into the desert and and just run around the rocks for a while. On this one particular occasion, he decides to leap a crevasse. His foot slips. He drops down the crevasse. He manages. He's okay. But as he's falling, a rock, which has been kind of like just dangling there for thousands and thousands of years, is knocked loose and comes down at the worst possible angle, jamming his arm between it and the rock face. And he's trapped. And the film follows the next 127 hours. He's, he has to chooch with his own arm, doesn't he? he ha- it's awful. It's genuinely, uh, it genuinely is a horrific scene because what Danny Boyle does very effectively is that he manages to use the tools of cinema to capture the sense of him shattering through the, the nerves. Ugh. When he has to go through the nerves, that was the most painful part. Ugh. He has to break the arm before he actually... St- and they let that man do the Olympic opening ceremony. <laughs> which was amazing, by the way. And that was when the UK peaked. That was the season finale of the UK. <laughs> You're talking Jesus. about the man who had through his own arm? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 127 hours was the peak of the UK. No, the, the 2012 Olympics right, yeah. opening ceremony yeah. was a fucking unreal. It's... It's just, it, that scene is going to burn. I'm never going to watch the film again because of that scene. It was, it wasn't graphic in the sense that you, they don't show you, but true cinema, 
they've made you feel it. As Dennis would say, it's the implication. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Who's Dennis? <laughs> Always sunny. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. My God. Sorry, I missed I'm still a bit sore that he didn't get a nomination for Oh, Blackboard. shit. He should have. He should have. The fucking yeah. acting branch. Acting branch needs to cop itself on and, like, you know, give the votes where they're deserved. Breaking news, an Academy member says <laughs> Oscars need overhaul. I take it back. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I will cap cut that and put it <laughs> on our joking. TikTok. <laughs> Absolutely joking. Hey, hey so... You know the other type of scenes that I noticed coming up? <laughs> these, these people are out there. Uh, I'm laughing at. I'm laughing at myself trying to kind of go go through this topic. <laughs> I have a path. It's a very meandering path, but it's going to get us there. Um, you know, a lot of times when we have people in isolation, humans are a very interesting bunch because we we always yearn for companionship. You know, even when there's no other person around. Even in those dire times when, you know, you think about COVID, when we're all alone, we just desperately craved companionship, someone just to chat to. So listen, a couple of films came up where where it was amazing examples of people just going a bit mad and creating companions for themselves. One of them being a film that we both discovered this year, The Quiet Earth. Of course. Yeah, that's got an I Am Legend vibe to it. It's great. Man wakes up in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And everybody else has disappeared. They have vanished. Yeah. That's one of those. Do you know when you're talking about a fantasy? Yeah. I actually would enjoy. I would like to be on a desert island by myself. I wouldn't like to be ostracized and away from from society or civilization. But I wouldn't mind like having a couple of days a week where there's nobody at all around. Yeah. And I can just do my shopping or shoplifting. And like just, I don't know, feel like I can get stuff done that I need to get done. And nobody's going to bother me. Yeah. And just a piece of that. I'd love that. This film kind of captures that fantasy where it's not that the, the place has been like, it's not a apocalyptic scenario where everything's been decimated and, and raided and pillaged and all that sort of stuff. And he can go into any shop and take whatever he wants. So you can kind of, there's a, there's a really fun sequence in it where you see him, he set up a generator. He's got his TV and VCR. He's he's occupied a mansion and he's kind of got everything he could ever crave materialistically. If there's anybody out there at all, could you please contact me at home? Somebody come. I've been condemned to live. Except, you know, where you, you feel like, oh, he's fucked now. Oh, that's shit. Is when the TV stops working yeah. and the radio stops playing. And then it's like, oh, now you can't even pretend that it's like... You know when somebody dies and you think they're not gone, I just haven't seen them in a while. Yeah. And you can almost trick yourself into thinking that way. You've got company. And that's where, yeah, it it, it hits home that it's like, oh, I'm completely alone now yeah. because the facade of other people is gone. Can't watch the telly in. Yeah. And then he, if Netflix went down, like, oh my God, I'd be I'd be distraught. What am I going to watch now? <laughs> It, it's an it's in the like first half of the film, but isn't there? It's a sad point where he starts to you know he he creates like a court of people, and he becomes like king of this land, and it's only kind of like a cut to kind of thing of him. You see, he's kind of gone a bit mad on his own, and he's created all these fictional characters around him that he's dressed up and stuff yes. like that, like Podbot, like <laughs> the binary bitch. I just wanted to highlight that film because it was a discovery. Jason, co-writing partner on a project is... Jason, Jason, Jason. Jason, Jason, Jason. Jason, <laughs> He was the one who introduced me to that film. I really appreciate it. Uh, another film. Does Jason listen to the podcast? No. 
All right, Jason. <laughs> you fucker. Uh, yeah. But enough people do listen to podcasts that also know Jason that would tell him. <laughs> tell Jason he's an awful fucker. Um, Can I give you one so please. that hasn't come up so far? Yeah. Where it it's it's almost having fun with the idea of an isolated character or a single character on their own. Mm-hmm. And it's Moon, the Duncan Jones film of oh, Sam Rockwell. Yes. I meant to bring this up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I actually forgot to put it on my list, but I've re- I just watched it over the weekend. Yes. Sam Bell reporting to Central. Everything running smoothly. Over and out. Rock and roll. God bless America. Good morning, Sam. Do you want me to cut your hair again? Lunar Industries remains the number one provider of clean energy worldwide due to the hard work of people like you. (laughs) Three years is a long haul, you know. I know you're really lonely up there, but I'm proud of you. Two weeks to go, Sam. Two weeks to go, buddy. I'm going home. Looks like we got a live one. I'm going to go out. Okay, Sam. That's my favorite Duncan Jones film, but it's also a brilliant sci-fi film. Yeah, it is it's great. Yeah, it's really good. Especially on a rewatch, it was like, oh, oh, it really stood out as being a very tight sci-fi film. Where the reveal happened much earlier than I recalled. You know, the kind of the twist. Turn my side. Who is he? You tell me who that is. Perhaps you're imagining things. I always find like if you ever come across somebody who's like your complete doppelganger, John, you walk into those change rooms and they have mirrors on every side and you get to see yourself from all angles it's like oh my jesus christ i don't like where this is going no are you saying you you saying you found your genital doppelganger is that what you're saying no okay no don't hate me because i'm beautiful i was just gonna say that if but if i did see my doppelganger to be able to see them from all angles i think it would just i'd freak out it'd be so like ego shattering it's like oh my god you're actually fucking gorgeous <laughs> someone i can remember when i was a kid someone saying oh my god see that see that boy over there he's the exact double of you and i remember like feeling really territorial and i wanted to murder them <laughs> just feeling and like- that's how you learned you had a brother <laughs> there's only one me there's only one me and there only ever will be one and that was the end of colin collins <laughs> Colin, Colly, Collins. No, but you know when somebody takes a picture of you from a bad angle. Oh yeah, it's like, which is Annie. Oh, that's their, yeah, that's their um their picture. And you're like deleted mm. to meet your doppelganger. I'd be like, you're getting murdered. I can't look at you. I can't. <laughs> yeah. We have to be at least half a continent apart. But they managed to make that very dramatic and actually quite poignant. And I think it's a fantastic film. Oh, it's really good. And I think it's slightly become more obscure over the years because it had a flush where. Everyone had watched it and had um, had raved about it. But I go back and revisit it because it's still as good as it ever was. And it's one of the very few sci-fi films of the last 20 years that is a classic in my eyes. And that soundtrack is a soundtrack that I have listened to, I think. It's one of those top, one of my top listened to soundtracks of the last five years, without question. Clint Mansell. Yeah. It's very, 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 very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed that film. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I forgot to put it on my list, even though I watched it. Have you ever seen Swiss Army Men? Because this one is, it falls into that category as well. I haven't seen it. Okay. And it's 
surprising to me because I loved everything everywhere all at once so much that I should go back and revisit it. I just forgot to get run to it, but I should watch it. This is what it's a very unusual film and I don't think it fully works. It would have been better suited to have been an animated film. And part of the reason it doesn't work for me is because it's not really that bothered with the survival aspect of things. Paul Dano is stranded on a deserted island with a corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe. And the and, and there's some ludicrous humor in it. Like he can he can uh, articulate the body so that he can he can he flagellates and he vomits and he regurgitates whatever he last drank, and he rides him like a jet ski because he he's learned how to control his flatulence. So he can ride Daniel Radcliffe as a jet ski. He's he turns. Are we still talking about striptease? We're striptease. <laughs> his erection becomes a radar for. I think I actually don't know what the radar is, is it for. I don't actually know. <laughs> This summer, I need you to help me get home. Okay, buddy? Help has arrived. Okay, buddy. He's the ultimate friend. You're like the multi-purpose tool guy. With the perfect set of tools. What's happening? I think your Wang is guiding us home. Paul Dano, Daniel Radcliffe, Swiss Army Man. But film does have a central theme and central drama, but it's not around his survival. It's not around Paul Dano's survival. And that's why I think if this film was an animated film and leaned into a less grounded aesthetic, you kind of go along with it a bit more. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, you kind of feel, ah, lads, you're being a bit silly. Like, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit like this on. podcast, you know, grow Fucking, up. You, <laughs> Stop arsing around. Amadon. Yeah. But still, being a, like you, being a huge fan of everything, everywhere, all at once, I'm really glad I did watch it, and I can kind of see their, I can see their them shaping their craft and honing their honing their craft. An animated film I did watch, which was about a man stranded on a deserted island, and it was pretty great. Probably something you've never seen before, Kevin. It's a film, a co-production with Studio Ghibli. It's the only time they've ever co-produced with an European studio. The Red Turtle. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a film by, I think he's uh, Dutch, Michael Dudok DeWitt is his name. He wrote and directed this. Apparently, uh, Heo Miyazaki saw his short film, met him and said, if, if we're ever to produce someone's work who is not a part of our studio system, it would be with this filmmaker. And he heard this news, Michael Dudok DeWitt, and just went, ah, no, I'm not really that bothered. Dudikoff. Dudikoff. <laughs> not really that bothered. But after a few conversations, they came up with this idea called the Red Turtle. Genuinely a gorgeously animated film, completely dialogue-free about this man who gets washed up on a desert island. You don't even know what era or what period it is. But through the animation, what really comes to the fore is the sound design of nature. It's really stunning. He encounters a red turtle, this giant red turtle, which won't let him leave the island because he's making these rafts to leave, leave the island. He attacks the turtle and kills it. Oh, this real tragedy he feels in killing this turtle because it's just lying there on the beach. And something happens. And that's, I'm not going to spoil it because I do think it's a film that's worth watching. It's one of those films that you end up kind of in tears and it's really beautiful. So it's a short film as well. So it's called The Red Turtle. It's only about 80 minutes long. I highly recommend it. Really beautiful. So that was a good one.
listen, I asked for some help on the Discord from our patrons over there for some suggestions for this topic. And I got some good ones. And can I just say, because I always tell people that the Discord is the wild fucking West and everybody there is basically, they're out to get me. And I don't feel safe. He's He's an outlaw out there. Yeah, he's an outlaw on the Discord. I am. In all seriousness, the Discord is a lovely community. If you don't know what a Discord is, it's like a private chat room. We managed to get enough patrons to be able to populate it with a lovely bunch of people who genuinely are such great crack yeah. to hang out with. And it's become our version of social media. It's a very safe space for us. Certainly. Yeah. And so I just wanted to say something nice for a change wow. about the Discord rather than ripping the piss out of all of them. I go to it instead of Twitter, instead of any social media. That's where I go to because you're you're you just you just like minded people and it's good crack. And you can you can share your thoughts in there. We have all these different rooms that you can just put there's Jamie's Gastropub if you want to talk about Eating and drinking. Oh, we've also got the sex dungeon. <laughs> That's my favorite. There's uh, cute stuff, and there's uh, and I've got my own gaming room, which is great. So I could talk about video games and stuff like that there. So I went to this Discord and I asked for some suggestions, and some of our patrons who were on there gave us some suggestions. Can I share them with you, Kevin? Do because I've not looked at the Discord because I can't fucking bear it. <laughs> right, Patrick McGinley. He gave several. And some of which I should have watched. And, and there were some really good ones. Moon, which we brought up. Have. And Silent Running, which I have I was re-watching. Need. Repulsion, which is a good one. Throwing Polanski That film. is a brilliant one. That's a brilliant one. Oh, that's Polanski's film with Catherine Deneuve. It's in London in the 60s. And she is in an apartment. And she's starting to go slightly crackers. Mm. She is. It's an unsafe environment. A nightmarish situation. And it has a very famous image that you've probably seen in magazines over the years or, or maybe sort of posters where all the hands are coming out of the wall mm. to grab at her. Yeah. That's a brilliant one. I wouldn't have thought of that as a single character, but of course, yeah, it's a great one, Patrick. He's got a couple of, he says, I am legend and the original Omega Man, the Omega Man as well, which I've never seen. That name? doesn't feel like Charlton Heston, isn't it? Charlton Heston. Yeah. That doesn't feel like he's on his... Well, I guess he is. He's in a mansion by himself. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm getting it confused with Soylent Green. No, no. Yeah. Omega Man. That would count. Excellent. Good film. I enjoyed it. The last man on earth lives in a fortress. Discovered death. How does that grab you, Caesar? The last man on earth always carries... Life of Pi and the Martian. He also recommends those as well. Don recommended The House of the Devil and The Shallows, which I was looking for and I couldn't remember its name. The Shallows is a good was, one. The Shallows oh, is genuinely a good going, one. I was going, what's that one? And I didn't get the time to go into it. Blake Lively ends up on a buoy yeah. that's out from shore and there's a massive great white shark that has killed some surfers and it's circling her and she's trying I'm, to... I am trying to survive before the tide comes in. And I'm going to put that on my watch list right now. Hey, Dad. I made it here. Hey! I'm going to catch one last one. Mom was right. It's perfect. Uh-uh. I'd say that's the second best shark movie there's been. That's impressive. And there have been a lot okay. of them. James Doherty says an interesting one for documentaries. He brought up Free Solo, the climbing one, which I have not seen. 
been meaning to watch and I have not seen it's it. It's on Disney Plus. I've seen it, but there's a lot of sit down interviews in that. Oh, okay. Because I think he, I think his girlfriend is living with him in the van or traveling with him and talking about him as we see him perform these death defying climbs where it really is horrendous. Or I think it's the documentarians are actually part of the, the okay. documentary. Don't spoil anything. It's all hazy in my memory yeah, now. But I yeah. really want to see that one. Well, you don't see him die on camera. They tell you afterwards. Okay, so... Uh, so I'm joking. Okay, Christ. Okay. <laughs> but the boulder problem has a 10-foot section that's incredibly difficult. That's the worst hold on the entire route. So you get maybe half your thumb on the hold. Then you roll your two fingers over the thumb. Switch your feet left foot stems out to this really bad sloping black foothold switch your thumbs and then reach out left to a big sloping bread loaf type hold that feels kind of grainy from there either karate kick or double dino to an edge on the opposite wall in some ways it makes more sense to do the big two-handed jump because you're jumping to a good edge, so there's actually something to catch. But the idea of jumping without a rope seems completely outrageous. If you miss it, that's that. Now, I kind of covered all of the main films I wanted to talk about. But before I get to my main pick, Kevin, of course, I want to hear from you. You're, you're saying that almost like a TV presenter passing over to Kevin as he's going to show us how to make an omelette. Because I forgot that we, we call it our best pick. Kevin, how about you? Show us how you make an omelette. What sort of seasoning <laughs> have you got there? And are you going to put some I'm going to. I'm just going to add two other films that I don't particularly have much to say about, but they are worth dropping in here. And that is Mike Flanagan's film Hush, which is about a deaf woman who is uh, in a cabin alone and it's a home invasion film where it's just her and another guy that is mostly off camera for most of it right um so it's again it's like it's it's all on one person's shoulder to, to carry us through the film and then that that that's what bring up and the other one called no one will save you and it's yes. another home invasion aliens right okay yeah mm-hmm. okay what about you have you what's your best pick for this one well you kind of brought it up already and oh. it's yeah, it's the one of the very few films where it's a female lead and uh, I saw it in the cinema and we talked about the opening scene, but I thought I would talk about the final scene and it's in Gravity. Sorry, it's the power buttons. Here. Ah, okay, uh, undocking, undocking. Um, uh, it's the only one that I felt this emotional... Rush when I was thinking back on it, and I rewatched it again today to sort of see if if it would stand up to a rewatch. The film itself, it's got some moments that are fantastical and it's they're ludicrous in that she's an astronaut, but she is emotional. And astronauts are not like that at all; they are mm. very clinical and analytical. Houston, Houston in the blind. This is mission specialist Ryan Stone reporting from the Shenzhou. I'm about to undock from Tiangong. Ah. And I have a bad feeling about this mission. <laughs> Incredible under pressure, and she's not that. Incredibly and focused. And they add in some things. Generally, yeah. They're very yeah. focused, yeah. 
And they add in things to sort of humanize her where she's lost a kid and she's grieving that. And the story is about her sort of coming to acceptance about loss and wanting to, I don't know, live again. And those elements, I find, are just a little too heavy-handed where it can feel a bit nauseating. And some of the traps that these stories can fall into that I personally hate. And I, if I ever have it in a script that I'm writing... I will try really hard to pull them out and that's characters talking to themselves mm-hmm. in a really forced or artificial way and she does that a few times in, in order to make it as accessible and, and broadly entertaining to as many people as possible it'll be one hell of a ride but the final scene in the escape pod I'm ready and it's going down and she's talking to NASA and she doesn't know if anyone can hear her and she's saying what's happening what she's going to do there's this beautiful music again from Stephen Prentice she comes crashing into Earth, into the atmosphere, and on any other film, they would end it as she breaks through. She's home, essentially. Mm. But the story keeps going, and she crashes into this lake. It's beautiful, but she ends up almost being killed by gravity, and she has to fight her way out of it, get up to the surface, and as soon as she breaks the surface, you just have this explosion of colour and life, of beauty. There are insects and birds and trees, and you can feel the, the, the wind, and you just realise you've been in an atmosphereless world for the whole film, and Earth is so beautiful, and there's so much around you that you can take in. And she swims up the shore, she lies there panting, grips the earth, and it's sort of, you feel like you can take a breath with her, and you realize, God, don't we have it so great on this planet? Mm-hmm. And it's just about perspective, looking around you and realize that we're surrounded by life, mm-hmm. and it's there to behold in front of all of us, and it's beautiful as it's music swelling, and it ends on that shot with her having survived and gone through a nightmare scenario. It's a lovely ending for that film. Of all the films to have that, I'm not going to pick Buried, for instance, because that's fucking haunting and tragic. Yeah. But this was lovely, and so that's why. Wonderful. I chose it. It's, I'm, it's one of those films that I'm so glad I got this topic that I got the chance to revisit it, because it's one of those films you kind of forget. You know, you kind of, you, you watch it, you have a great experience in the cinema, and you you move on with life. You're rooting for her as she's coming, crashing into the atmosphere, and you... you it, I always try to build these into my scripts and obviously I'm talking about stuff that nobody's seen or, or read but you want to get to a moment where you feel like you're watching a World Cup final and it's come down to a penalty shootout and your guy is going up to take the shot that's going to win mm. the game for your team, your country and your heart is in your throat and if you can build it into a script you're leaning forward, you're mm. tense and you're rooting for them like come on, you can do it, come on and, and I love that in films and this has something that is, gets very close to that and that's what these types of stories elicit from the audience really effectively because I've noticed 
you know, with films is that an audience wants to root for someone. And if there's no one there, if there's no one, uh, let's say, even uh, halfway decent on the screen and they're a complete bastard, we'll root for the bastard because if there's no one else there, we'll, we've no choice. We, we, You've said that before. It's like if you take away the option to, to spend time with somebody better, then we will imprint on the person that we're stuck with and we'll end up rooting for them. Even if they're doing something dastardly, Absolutely. we'll feel like... I hope they achieve their aims. Yeah, it's it's the um, Marion Crane in Psycho Effect. You know, she, everything she's doing is is wrong, is the wrong option. But because we're in her shoes, we want her to come out the other end unscathed. You know, it's it's that. That's another one of those films where you get to spend time with somebody as they're thinking through a dilemma, and you're just with them. Yeah, I love moments where we just see characters think. Yeah. It's so important. It really is so important. You've done a trick there where you made the audience step into their shoes. And it's very subtle, but it it actually works. It's very effective. Great pick. All I've left to do is bring up my pick. It turns out I've done a Groundhog Day because it's something I've brought up before on a previous topic. And I've completely forgotten that I did so. It's a film that came out in 2000, I'm pretty sure. It's Robert Zemeckis's Castaway, starring Tom Hanks. And a volleyball. A volleyball. It's, it's a film that I think kind of has some of the best of the scenes that I've, I've been discussing up to now. It's got an incredible getting him into the shit scene. Plane crashes. The it? plane crash is fucking brilliant. You really feel that sense of panic as that plane goes into the sea. You can't see what's happening. You just feel it. You can feel the wind. You can see glimpses of, of light and sparks and things, but you're... You feel like you're part of a plane crash. It's sort of jarring to be the way he's, in a plane crash at night. And the way he's tossed around as it's going down, it really is visceral and you feel it. It has a very, very, not graphic, but you fucking feel a painful self-surgery scene when he has to perform dental surgery using the blade of an, of an, of an ice skate. Oh, yeah. That's really good. It has a, a really decent survival scene in the sense that I was talking about where this is not a type of character who is b- made for this scenario. He's fumbles and bumbles and fucks up. So like him tr- even trying to open a coconut, he becomes infuriated with, with this, this little nut. Finally, when he cracks it, there's a sense of accomplishment and achievement. And even is really celebratory the moment where he actually makes fire. You know, he actually figures out, I can fucking make fire. And you feel that sense of success with him. Yeah, that's a film about transformation as well, because he starts off as this pudgy fat guy. And yeah. didn't Tom Hanks take six months or something off between filming the, the first half of the story? Yeah. And then coming back when he is like a rasher. And Zemeckis shot another film. He shot uh, What Lies Beneath in that, what Lies Beneath, in that, yeah. in that period as Which well. Which is a, a fucking banger of a film. I don't care what anyone says. I told you, I have a side story. I told you that side story where I was in the test audience with, Zemeckis for that movie. On an audio commentary, you did remind me. So I was in San Francisco at the the oh, year of two thousand. This is a brilliant story. I'll tell it again. Okay, <laughs> this is me making a complete tool of myself. I, I suppose it's worth telling it on this. the main main show. So there was little innocent me back in two thousand, just complete movie madman, and just loved loved that I was even that close to LA and Hollywood. And I was going to the cinema randomly one day and there was a person at the box office who was asking 
with a with a clipboard asking people if they would like to be a part of a test audience for a movie immediately just went straight over and put my name on the list and I said I'll be there about a week later I showed up with a buddy of mine and when I went into the cinema I could see that there were the last two rows of the screen had reserved stickers on them and I said we are sitting up by the reserve stickers so I went straight up the back and I sat down the lights went down the film was just about to start and I saw Steve Starkey who was a producer and Robertson Beckus walking up the steps and sitting right fucking behind us, right? I was like, oh my fucking Lord Jesus, fucking Robert Zemeckis are right behind us. The director of Back to the Future. Yeah, right behind me. Roger Rabbit. I know. Robert, yeah. Fucking Castaway come out that year. I mean, I'd watched earlier that year and I was in awe of his Forrest Gump was fucking big movie. They can't all be winners. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, film finish. At, at the end of these test screening things, you have to fill out a form. Like, you know, give all your reaction to it. You can write areas where you can write your comments and all that sort of, like, you know, just, you know, give your thoughts. I swear to God, I I took it so seriously. I really thought this is my one chance to actually have an input in an actual real fucking film. I wasn't a fan of the film. And the reason I wasn't a fan of it was there were just too many fucking jump scares. Ease up and that shit was just driving me mental. Maybe you helped them refine it then because I don't remember there being that many jump scares. Oh. Faces in the water and it's like, boo! Yeah, it was, I think... It wasn't egregious. When I said there was too many, maybe there was one. <laughs> it was just enough to oh. turn me off so myself and my buddy were the last ones leaving the screening and I'm like had my card and I handed it to the, the person who was collecting these things at the end I walk out into the lobby and there I see in a huddle in the middle of the lobby was fucking Zemeckis and Steve Starkey and the other producers and I went oh shit and I went oh god I've got to go up I'm going to get his i got to get his autograph oh my god I can't and I got him to sign my social I, I said sorry for interrupting would you mind could I get your autograph and he went oh yeah yeah sure 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 and Steve Starkey was that was Robert Zemeckis on my left Steve Starkey was on my right and he says to me oh were you in the movie and I was like yeah I was yeah tell me what do you think and I went and I told him all of the notes I had <laughs> written out this is what fucks me up fucking, fucking I can't believe you did that. I was like, I get secondhand embarrassment. I was, but because I had this kind of attitude the of, I'm never going you. to be in this position ever again. I might as well have my spake, you know? So I said, too many jump scares. Oh. Didn't really like the twist. Didn't really like the twist. And I really didn't highlight. I'd, you were film Twitter before film Twitter existed. I don't think I said anything positive. <laughs> I don't think I said anything. That doesn't seem like you at all. It does not. You've been beaten down to. I'm the opposite. Been some now. manners smacked into I'm you. Do, and when and do, do, do you know what the worst part was? I'm going to cut in your speech from the last mini bits <laughs> where you said, "Who the fuck am I to to shit on it?" I have a very sincere philosophy about the world, right? And my philosophy is this: it is much easier to destroy something. It takes less skill, it takes less talent, it takes less energy, it takes less time, and it takes less intelligence than it is to create anything. But it's a lot more fun, so fuck them. How I've changed. You dirty can, can I give you the clangor? Can I give you the fucking, the real clangor then? I went and I gave my spiel, Steve Starkey, my, who just smiled and nodded and, you know, accommodated me. Once I was done, I turned back to Zemeckis to get my autograph. And he's a tall man. And my God, if if looks could fucking burn a hole through your skull. You deserved it. I deserved it. I you felt so it. small when he, he just glowered at me and handed me back the thing, that autograph. He just glowered at me. Can, um, I, can I? It's worth it for the story. 
But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I deserved it. And I think I, I've, I've seen the error of my ways. That was me. That was me. That was coming from a point of someone who'd never created anything and was so desperate and didn't know how to. I thought by adding my true sense, I was actually helping with the creation, right? I am taking this moment. Uh, Redeem to, yourself. Deem yourself now. I am here saying that for me, Castaway has got all of the best elements of these uh, single character movies. It has an incredible fictional companion in the form of Wilson, who when Tom Hanks is separated from Wilson, you feel his utter despair at losing this this deflated volleyball with a, with a blood handprint face. You really do feel it. But for me, the film at the time... I didn't know how to take it, but now I think it's a brilliant decision is when Tom Hanks' character finally does return to the real world, we see how the trauma of sleeping in a cave for years makes it almost impossible for him to sleep on a, on a soft bed anymore. How the woman that he loved when he left and how he was about to propose to and who he's loved for has kept him alive for so long that when he returns, she still loves him, but tragically she's moved on. That broke my fucking heart to smithereens, and particularly that scene where they meet each other in the rain. Do you think the experience in Galway at that retreat changed you so much that that's... (gasps) I've got stories. (laughs) But I just want to say, I think Castaway is an absolutely wonderful film. Tour de force of filmmaking, Robert Zemeckis, when he was on fire, he made the best of cinema. He used all of the tools. He pushed the technical boundaries. He made Tom Hanks lose a ton of weight and he made us fall in love with a volleyball. So listen, there really couldn't have been another option or pick for me for this topic. It's Castaway. It has to be. I love you and I'm going to see you soon and you know what that means. From Academy Award winning director Robert Zemeckis. Hey, is all this turbulence from Santa and those eight reindeer? At the edge of the world. Hello! Chuck Nolan is about to discover no one can save him. It's a search area of size in Texas. But himself. You wouldn't have a match, will you? Fire! <laughs> fire! Tom Hanks. Cast away. Rated PG-13. No matter what Zemeckis does, he has contributed in such a phenomenal way to my childhood anyway, and to movies. Fantastic filmmaker and we could have even brought up like Contact because there's an awful lot of that which sure. is just Jodie Foster on her own and What Lies Beneath is a very good film I love it mm. yeah I want to rewatch it again actually I do want to revisit that film and I think I'm, I, I, I'm afraid to revisit it out of sheer embarrassment that's, that's, that's what's going on but I had the pleasure you might get him on the podcast oh it would be great, would be great. Oh, anyway I had a meeting at his company then a few years later like just mad I was like oh god if only you knew Nothing will top me having a meeting at Marvel and talking about Superman the movie because I'd never read any Marvel comics. So, you know. I love Marvel. Listen, I think we can close the book on this topic. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Will. You've got the next pick. And we did something different. We threw it to our listeners to make a suggestion. And we've decided to ask people like yourself listening to this to recommend scene topics for us so we can just rest the wheel for a while because we've been burning through the wheel mm-hmm. and we have about a hundred or so more that are like really really good juicy topics we haven't got round to but that's all randomized 
And sometimes we get a great one, and sometimes we get one where we're like having to like really think, like, what can we make an episode out of MacGuffins? And it ends up being great. So the challenge is brilliant. But we want to sort of like open it up. And we've been doing it on Patreon, and our patrons have picked two good topics for us that we're going to do pretty soon. Uh, one for me, one for you. We've been asking listeners, and some people have written in. And so I think go in order and pick the first one there, and mm-hmm. we'll do that. And this is an email that came into our email address. Kevin, what remind listeners, what's the email address? Go to bestbitspodcast.com forward slash contact. You don't have to like enter any of your details or anything, but we will get your message directly that way. So yeah, that's great. Just go to our website. So here, this is the first one that's in here, and it's from Jules, and it's for you, Kevin. And Jules says, here's one for you. Best underwater scene. Is that specific and odd enough for you? I've got a few ideas myself, but would be interested in your takes. Keep up the great work. You brighten my drive to work really well. That's nice to hear. And P.S., if you don't include Knight of the Hunter or Justin Hoffman, did I say Justin Hoffman? Justin Hoffman yeah. sulking at the bottom of his swimming it's pool in the, the film with Al Chapino. I know. <laughs> I'd be very upset. Well, thanks very much, Jules, for because we are going to be throwing that topic to Kevin for the next episode. And I'll be honest with you, I actually like this topic because it's not overwhelming. Sometimes you get ones there and it's like fucking film best fight scene. Oh and god! Oh Jesus! Oh my god! That's like thousands of options. Underwater scene, we can go all over the place. We can go from musicals to comedies to submarine movies. Mm-hmm. I love submarine movies. I do. I yeah. do. Night of the Hunter. I always thought that that image in that film was shot for real, and it wasn't a dummy. You know, with Shelley Winters under the water. It's an incredible shot. Yeah, we'll get into it. So, next right. episode, best underwater scene. Thanks, Super. Jules. Yeah, thank you. If, as I say, go onto our website, bestwithpodcast.com forward slash, and you can write in with your scene topic suggestion for us. And send us a little, send us a little, I love the little compliments we got there. From, that gave us a boost. <laughs> send us your nudes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> see what we're dealing oh, with here. Oh god! Oh, and no. we'll start rating them. We'll start <laughs> ranking people and rating oh. them. Jules here. He sent his picture, and I'm going to give him a solid seven. And I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Jules could True. be either. Yeah, it could be either. Yeah. Well, based on this picture, they're definitely something. <laughs> so I'm going to give them a solid eight and a half. Excellent. Out of 10. Fair play, Jules. Great. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do will want it yeah for sure for sure well thanks for listening along and thanks kevin for uh for sitting and listening to me babble about this topic for for over an hour and thank you for not mentioning the fact that i've just been splayed out here with my dude splits with no trousers on again <laughs> god bless you it's impressive that it did that incredibly impressive i'm just i, I just I'm, I'm amazed pod button i have been practicing <laughs> All right, that's enough. Take care, everyone. See you. Bye-bye. I'll show you how to split, you bastard. The Best Bits podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Patreon member where you'll receive bonus shows where we talk about recent releases and what we're up to. And you'll receive access to our Discord chat room where we hang out with our listeners. Search the Best Bits podcast on Patreon or click on the link in the show notes. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show.
The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Many bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiraptus the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? No, I, I, I wear... No, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode and yeah. I'm like what did we how did we say it what did we say on that episode that's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes maybe it didn't sound as desperate maybe we said don't jo-. maybe reverse psychology that's how we should do it reverse psychology don't join up to our patron don't it's <laughs> You don't des- everybody you, cancel. You don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look of you. you. We don't we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people we we did I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh how do you think yeah. I how do you think I did? I, I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Goes I, my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glitch. Yeah. Like a starlight twinkle. 
<laughs> speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. We're already okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. It doesn't really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So um, I'm Well, the Joker your... 2 trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes. I watched that. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen. Uh, I, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore, get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be there going, where where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where where are they going to show up? And like... It's a a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is not its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like it's this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff oh oh, this is the thing insane. Kevin so <laughs> I'm only catching up on this you mentioned it to me on a on a, pod, on a podcast Wait, was it on one of those uh, it was the last show? it was the last mini bits uh, you, you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently and have you started noticing it though only 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 with people trying to raise you that's the only type only where, place where I've noticed people no, people under the trying to every, raise you oh my god oh my god I could start posting now like um, tweets, comments, TikToks, uh, articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. Wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They were just, they're morons. But no, I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word. A-L-O-T. A lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, (laughs) but I can't get it right. It's like the you can, I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you. 
Oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was, I would found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment. I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I have the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Ah. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.